Now, the events leading up to Easter start with this week, which actually began on Saturday evening with a dinner in honor of Jesus in the town of Bethany. Jesus had just come from Jericho where he had healed two blind men. And he is making his way to Jerusalem and makes a stop in Bethany. As I mentioned, they're having a dinner in his honor. And there at the dinner, Lazarus, the one that Jesus raised from the dead, is one that's in attendance at dinner. And we also know that one of the other things that took place here is that Mary took a 12-ounce jar of perfume and anointed Jesus' feet with oil and her tears. Now, Bethany was only about two, two and a half miles southeast of Jerusalem. And following this dinner and the day, Jesus then made his way to Jerusalem for his triumphant entry. This was a time that was very important to the Jews. When Jesus was heading to Jerusalem, this was a time of Passover. And Passover For those of you who know, it's a celebration that commemorates when God delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, that when God led them to the promised land through Moses. Passover is an immense celebration. There may have been during this time half a million people that could have been in Jerusalem. And as Jesus left Bethany and headed to Jerusalem, he came into Jerusalem towards the eastern side of Jerusalem towards the eastern gate as he went up the top of the Mount of Olives to go down to enter into the valley and then back up into Jerusalem. And I want you to visualize for a minute, uh, if you you know, if you've seen some pictures of of this, and this is an an incredible place and an incredible experience. When you stand on the Mount of Olives, You can actually see all of Jerusalem and you you can see from that vantage point a lot of the events that take place over the next few days. Down below you, you can see the Garden of Gethsemane. You can see the Temple Mount. You can see the Eastern Gate in which Jesus rode through as he went during the events of this day. I want to add as well that the Mount of Olives is the same place that Jesus ascended to heaven and is the same place that Jesus will come back when he returns. Now, as Jesus was approaching Jerusalem from the top of the Mount of Olives, headed towards the Eastern Gate, Scripture tells us that a multitude of people came out there and, and met him. They were shouting and cheering, and they were they had palm branches, and they were laying palm branches down for his for the donkey that he was on to walk across. People laid their cloaks down, and the cloaks that they laid down represented royalty. And we see here in Matthew 21, 9, it says that Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people were all around him and they were shouting, praise God. And actually the word there in Greek is Hosanna. They were saying, praise God, praise Hosanna. They were singing this and Hosanna means save now. For the son of David, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, praise God in in highest heaven. They thought at this time, this was prophecy that was fulfilled. They thought that Jesus was coming to make, set up his kingdom there in Jerusalem, that he is finally going to establish his kingdom. They imagined something completely different than what was going to happen. Remember, Scripture says, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and he is victorious. He is riding on a donkey, like Scripture said. 
Matthew 21.10 tells us some about the events of the people that were there in Jerusalem. It says, the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. They said, who is this? This was no ordinary day. For on this day, on Palm Sunday, Jesus would initiate a week that would forever change the course of history. This day had been prophesied about. The Jews were expecting their Messiah. They believed that the Messiah would come and deliver them from the Roman stronghold. And they believed that the Messiah there would set up his earthly kingdom. But here's the thing. Yes, Jesus will return. He will come and establish his earthly kingdom. Those events are prophesied for future. But Jesus' plan at this time, when he was in Jerusalem, that we celebrate Palm Sunday, that we celebrate the resurrection, this was the time that Jesus would come for the redemption of sin. His plan for redemption had, taken, had to take place first. The prophecies of the Messiah having to come and suffer were overlooked by many. Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 They were there for all to read, but people couldn't see the whole picture of what the Messiah had to do. Plus, on top of that, Jesus threatened the authority and the positions of even the government and the high priests. This was an extraordinary time. And at the time, as Jesus came toward Jerusalem, people, they treated him like a conquering king. That he would set up a kingdom and overthrow the Romans. That's what people were expecting. They laid down the branches as we talked about. They laid down the cloaks. Can you imagine yourself being there? Think about that for a minute. Think about about being there. You're you're gathered your family. You're with a crowd of people and you're laying down these palm branches. and, And basically you're rolling out the red carpet for Jesus. They thought that they were ushering their kingdom their king into his throne. That's what, that's what these people thought. That's what they imagined. That was their expectation. That was the shouts of joy that they had, was they were expecting their new king to come and rule over the world and set up their, his kingdom in Jerusalem. But they didn't understand. He didn't come this time on a stallion which would represent a conquering king. Instead, this time, Jesus came on a donkey as a symbol of peace. As it told us there in Zechariah's scripture, that it wasn't time. It wasn't what they thought. He was coming in peace this time, not as a conquering king. He was coming to redeem sin, to redeem man, to redeem those who would choose him to redeem those who would ultimately believe in him. This Palm Sunday wasn't the day that Christ would rule over the world and set up his kingdom. This was for reconciliation of sin. God's plan for redemption has been prophesied always, even back to the beginning of the Bible. When we look at Genesis 3, 13, it says that he Tell Satan, he says, you may bruise the heel of Christ, but, I will, but Christ will crush your head. Jesus crushed the head of Satan with the redemption 
of him on the cross. Jesus did that. He did that for all that would believe in him. And as we're looking at today, this is his entry. This is the final week. These are the final few days of Jesus's movement into the city of Jerusalem. And in less than a week, Christ would allow himself, Christ would allow himself to be arrested, tried, and crucified. And when this happened, many of the people who believed that Jesus was coming to set up his earthly kingdom, once Jesus was crucified, they stopped believing. In essence, they almost lost their faith because it wasn't what they thought it would be. It wasn't what it looked like. It didn't make sense. Here was supposed to be the Messiah that would come and set up his kingdom, but yet it seemed like all was lost. They couldn't imagine. They couldn't believe, even though the prophecies were there in Scripture. People didn't know how to react. They didn't know what to do, and they didn't understand. What they thought, what they imagined, what they saw, they just didn't understand. Can you put yourself in their shoes? Would you have been brokenhearted when all your expectations focused on one specific thing and that one specific thing didn't work out like you thought? Many were confused. Many were were mad. Many, as we know, stopped believing in him and even wanted him crucified. Others probably felt let, let down. And we know that others were completely heartbroken. It was as if all hope was lost. There was a hope and it seemed like it was all lost. Has there ever been a time in your life where what you thought things were going to happen or you thought things would play out and didn't? Has there ever been a time in your life where you thought God had laid out a plan for you and you were going to follow that and it didn't work out like you imagined? Has there ever been a time in your life where things weren't working out in the world? They weren't working out like you thought or like you expected or like you hoped. You know, even Jesus' disciples didn't get it. They thought that Jesus was coming to set up his kingdom here on earth, and they just couldn't imagine. They couldn't, they couldn't picture it. We see this in Mark 9, 31. It says this, it says, For he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and to teach them. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of enemies. He will be killed. But three days later, he will raise from the dead. Seems pretty clear. Seems like you would probably get that. Mark 9.32, the very next scripture says this. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. Scripture says that Peter and John were the ones that followed after Jesus' arrest, and we know that only one of the twelve was at the crucifixion. What does that mean? 
That means that even his disciples, they didn't know. We know they didn't understand, but they didn't understand the perspective of what was supposed to happen. And they had spent three years with Jesus during his earthly ministry. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. And only the Apostle John is there at the crucifixion. And the reason that they didn't get it is because even if they understood he was going to be risen from the dead, it would have been too fantastic to understand. They didn't get the whole picture because it would be an amazing story. They didn't understand the sequence of events. They didn't understand what Christ had for them, that it was so much greater than what Jesus would have for them, that they didn't get it, that they didn't understand it. They couldn't see the big, big plan. They couldn't see the big, big picture. The point here is that they were so let down that it didn't go the way they thought it would go. The disciples and the people, even the religious leaders of the time, didn't understand. And they knew Old Testament Scripture as good or better than anyone. It threatened everything that they were about. They couldn't get over with their natural eyes. Was telling them. They couldn't make sense of it all. They were, why? How come? I thought he said. But no, he didn't say. They heard what they thought was going to happen. They heard what their earthly minds would tell them, what, what they can see with the world and what they can interpret. This is what they saw. This is what they, they heard. Our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. And our plan is not his plan. Think about it. These people knew the Old Testament. They had studied it. They had understood it. And for some reason, they didn't take into consideration Psalms 22 or Isaiah 53. But in the end, when Christ rose from the dead, when the tomb was empty, when Christ had redeemed man and conquered death, then it all made sense. Then the story that was of all hope lost, the story of Christ coming to set up His kingdom that they thought, and it didn't play out and He died, and all hope seemed lost, ends with the story, or begins the story, of Christ's resurrection that makes it even better than what you could have possibly imagined. That God's ways are higher than our ways. People didn't understand at the time, but once Christ rose from the dead, for all those who believed, then it made sense. All the Old Testament prophecies came together and it made sense. Now they could understand now they could see it was his greater plan and it was greater and bigger than they could possibly ever imagine. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You see right there, God tells us 
We can't even imagine. Think about that. We can't even imagine. Just like this. Just like what the people thought, even those closest to him. An event that turns it totally up on its head where all hope seems lost. And then not only is hope restored, but it is so magnified and so much greater to show that God's thoughts and ways are higher than our ways could possibly even imagine. I love that. I absolutely love that. I love that we have a God whose ways are possible, are greater than we can possibly imagine. He goes to prepare a place for us. Can you imagine what the Lord has in store for you? His promises are true. His ways are right. It is up to us to follow His ways and to know His ways. To stay focused on the Lord. Today, we are, many of us are faced with the unknown. Many of us are confused, stressed. A lot of us are even mad. We can't imagine what's happened to us, what's happened to our countries. We can't imagine and we can't understand how we even got here or how this all happened. Things have changed so quickly in the last couple of weeks. Are you able to step back from what is happening in your life and focus on Him? Are you able to dial in to God and understand that God is in control? Listen to me. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing surprises the Lord. He is the Lord of heaven and earth, and this pandemic did not take Him by surprise. And nor did the events of the first Palm Sunday. As the donkey's feet carried our precious Lord on the branches, he knew what was to come. He knew what he needed to do. Nothing took Jesus by surprise. Jesus, as we looked at, even told his disciples beforehand, listening, this is what's going to happen. Nothing happened to Jesus that he didn't let happen to him. It was all part of God's perfect plan. And what we have to understand, what we have to realize, is that God is in control. We are the children of God. We are bought with the highest price. That the Son of God died for those who hadn't even chose Him yet. Many of them are in opposition against Jesus that would later give their life to Him. That could even be you. We have to be in a place where we don't let fear, anxiety, and turmoil overcome us. We have to be in a place where our faith drives out fear, where our faith drives out turmoil, where our faith drives out all anxiety. In the name of Jesus, I pray for you that God clears your mind, 
that He makes your mind focused on the things of the Lord. That we are not distracted by the world. That we are not distracted by the things that try to cause us fear and panic and anxiety. But that we gain traction to the Lord. That we face the Lord. That we don't look to the left. That we don't look to the right. But that we focus on the Lord. That we drive forward. That our thoughts and our energy are on Him. I believe that we can take this time and that we can pour into our families, that we can dig deeper into God's Word. We can dig deeper into what is the true meaning and the true purpose of my life. And the two go hand in hand. I believe that we can show more care and attention and love and the way to the Lord and deeper insights to the Lord to our children, to our families during this time, to our friends and to the world, that we can show all of that. The greater is He because He has overcome the world. That is what Jesus' entry represents. It's what He did for us. He tells us to take heart that He has overcome the world. Now I want to ask you a question. Are you committed? Are you committed to keep your eyes and your energy and your focus on Him? Are you committed to do those things? Are you committed to put more energy into seeking God and to seeking His kingdom And to taking your families with you to seek Him during this time. That we shove away fear. That we shove away anxiety. That we pray for those who are essential, what they call essential people, that are out helping people right now. We pray that God can strengthen them. We pray that during this time, we can draw closer to Him. If that is you, if that is you that you say, yes, I'm committed this time, this time where maybe I have more time, or maybe I have fear and anxiety because I have to still go to work and help other people. Whether you're in one category or the other, are you committed? If you are committed right now, there in your home, I pray that you would raise your hand and say, yes, yes, I'm committed to focus on God and to not focus on those things, to not focus on fear, to not focus on anxiety and turmoil, but to focus on the things of God. If that is you, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that you have that kind of faith and that you are filled with that that element, that, that, that passion for God during this time, but that it would strengthen you, that there is power in the Word. We are called to have a sword, the sword of the Spirit, not just the shield. Too many Christians just stand with their shield trying to hold ground. We have a sword. We have the sword of the Spirit, and it is powerful. It is very powerful. Please join me in prayer. Jesus, I pray for each and every person that is raising their hand and is committed to keeping their eyes on you, to keeping our faith on you, knowing that you are in control. All we have to do is allow you to help change us, to change our thoughts, our focus, to change our hearts and our minds. 
Lord, raise up a spirit of faith and peace that could only come from you. Lord, give us a bold faith, a boldness to know you are in control. Regardless of what we see, regardless of what we hear, give us wisdom and insight to know you and your will for our lives. Lord, I know you will for for all of us is to seek you, Lord. Please help us not to be distracted in this time, but to gain traction for you to advance the gospel, even in times of uncertainty. Let us show our children, our family, the work that we can do for you, Lord, and that how we can serve the almighty God. Lord, I ask that you give these people the power through the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe by faith that each one of us can change in a minute. That God can do a work in us that will ultimately change us in the blink of an eye. We have to have that faith. We have to seek the Lord. And this is the perfect time to do it. There is no better time, no matter when it is, there is no better time than today. We live in a world and we live in a time where there has to be and there needs to be more righteousness. This is the time as Christians for us to stand up, for us to be able to voice to our family and friends, even if it's through FaceTime or Facebook or some other media source. It is our time to stand up and and proclaim righteousness, to stand behind that, to have a voice. And we know that when we return to the Lord full-heartedly, Scripture tells us He will renew our land. He will bring healing to our land. Church, it is not time anymore for us to be couch Christians. There's a battlefield going on out in the world. It is our time to raise up. It is our time to help brothers and sisters in Christ so that the world knows what we stand for, and who we stand for. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for what you do for us. In closing, please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we pray that during these these difficult and uncertain times that we have unmovable faith and unmovable faith that only comes from you. And we know that your word says it only has to be a mustard seed and it will grow. And Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you for all the people that have committed today to focus, to put their focus back on you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for that. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for how your word ministers to us. And Lord, we thank you for the power that you have. And we thank you, Lord, for being your children. Please be with us. Please guide us. Please watch over and protect us, Lord, as we pray for righteousness all around us. And we thank you, Lord, that you will come and heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please share this message so it can impact and it can help other people. Thank you. God bless.